Hey guys, this is Rocky, and you're listening to the God Loves Miami podcast. I want to welcome you to today's episode, and I also want to encourage you to follow us on social media at God Loves Miami on Instagram and Facebook so that you can find out all that we are about and what God is calling us to do in our city. And now here's Pastor Mark. Who likes Thanksgiving? Does anybody like Thanksgiving? I think it's a great opportunity for us to thank God because God has been awesome to us. It's also a great opportunity to love people and to, um, to bless people. And again, like Leilani mentioned earlier, we have a great opportunity this Friday and next week to be a blessing in this city. Um, if you guys haven't seen, we've been posting on social media um, and we, we registered this little domain, giveback.miami, um, or givethanks.miami. And if you want to be part of our outreaches, you can do it on there and you can just give towards that. So that's awesome. Um, I'm going to ask you guys to do something now. I want you to think about something that you wanted really bad when you were a kid. All right, think about that. Some of you, I am a kid. Like I saw him just look at his mom. I am a kid. I want something bad like right now, right? But like when we were kids... There was this time in our life, maybe it was a toy. Anybody ever like really, 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 really want a toy and it was like your neighbor that had it or that annoying kid on the school bus had what you wanted, right? Maybe it was a bike or a racetrack. I always wanted one of those little racetrack things. I wanted one of those. Um, you know, maybe a dog, a puppy, right? My wife always wanted a puppy and her dad never got her a puppy. And when we got married, one of the first things that I did after we got married is I got lost for a couple hours. This was before she tracked me on my phone, right? And uh, I got lost for a couple hours and I showed up to the house like a hero with a cute little cocker spaniel, black and white dots and a cage. It was like so, so cute, so adorable. And when I get home, she looks at me and says, what's the dog eat? I'm like, I don't know. I just, I, you wanted a dog. Like, just say thanks for the dog. You know what I mean? So we had to go buy food for the dog. And then I bought a cage because I knew I wanted to keep the dog in a cage. And so we left this cute little puppy in a cage. And when we got home, as soon as we got home, we opened the door and this nasty smell came out of the house. And the dog had pooped in the cage, rolled all over the poop. I mean, it was the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. And then I said, congratulations, you always wanted a dog, right? My father-in-law was right. But yeah, all of us growing up, there was like that thing that we wanted. Maybe for some of you today, there's something that you really, really want, like a, a Porsche. Some guys like, man, if I could just have a Porsche. They like going to the car show and taking pictures with cars they're never going to buy. Or maybe, you know, maybe you wanted a Barbie dream house. Did you ever want a Barbie dream house? You know, things that we wanted. I know what I wanted. Speaking of Barbie dream house, I wanted a hot pink, yes, hot pink, GT Pro performer. Anybody remember those bikes? I have a picture of it, GT. I, I really wanted that bike. I mean, that was like the coolest thing. All right, this is a bike. And, and check out how cool this bike is. That it's, it's actually on eBay. Don't get it for me. It's on eBay right now for $1,125, this vintage GT Pro performer. So I wasn't the only crazy kid growing up in Hialeah wanting this pink GT performer. I begged my parents for it. I pleaded with my grandma because she was kind of softer and would get me certain things that my parents wouldn't get me. I even turned spiritual and I prayed and I said, dear God, would you make my family give me a pink 
GT pro performer. And while you're at it, get me a puppy too. And you can imagine how upset I was on Christmas morning when I got a blue huffy. All right? Like that. Go back to the GT, Carol. GT, super cool. Huffy. 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 Yeah, there we go. Huffy. We need to pray that Carol gets another finger. Right? No, I'm just kidding. Um, and I, I was like, and then the other part is that I, I had already seen it in Kmart, you know. I remember going to Kmart, and I remember seeing that blue Huffy in Kmart. And I was like so disappointed because I really, really wanted it. It was so bad I would dream about it. Did you ever want something so bad you dream about it? Right? I would daydream about it too. It was like the biggest deal. I would imagine myself just like cruising and all my friends looking at me. I didn't know how to, that was, that's a bike for like BMX tricks and stuff and like spinning the thing. I don't know how to do any of those things. I never did. Right? I had pegs. I didn't know what the pegs were for. But I just wanted it. I really wanted it. I wanted it so bad that, that I would pray and I would pray and I never got it. I even went as bad as saving enough money to buy some pink spray paint. And I painted my blue huffy pink. And then they stole it two days later. No lie. And we could laugh about this. And the reason why I'm telling you this story, that this is the first memory that I have of being disappointed with God. As a 10-year-old kid, I questioned God. God, where are you? If I say a prayer and I don't get it, then, then where are you? Today we can all laugh at my childhood moment of wanting something so bad that it literally dominated my life for a season. But if I'm really honest with you, I haven't outgrown that desire. There's things that I want sometimes and I want them really bad. And the older I get, I still don't want, I don't want a pink huffy. But there's other things. Now we want age appropriate things. There's other toys that we want, material things that we ask for. And we keep the same passion and this longing of getting this thing. And we've traded the toy for something that's more meaningful in our life right now. See, today you're probably sitting next to someone who's normal. Most of them are normal. There's some exceptions, I guess. But here's what I know. That it doesn't matter where you are spiritually. You could be like right here, man. You could be super high. You could be this spiritual giant. You could be like Jesus Jr. Right? But there's still things that you want. And others of us who, has, who have said yes to following Jesus, we're doing our best every day to figure out what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And we're like, God, I pray for this thing, and it's not a bad thing, and why don't I get it? Why don't you listen to my prayers? And then there's probably some of you here today that you don't even know if you believe in God. You're not even sure there, there is a God, but you're investigating, you're curious you're checking it out. Someone invited you to Love Unlimited today and you don't even know why you're here. But let me tell you, God has something for you today. He has something for all of us today. He wants to draw us closer to him today. There's probably something in your life today. There are people here today praying and longing for a new job, for a better job, for a more meaningful career. There are women here today desperately wanting to be a mom. And all they could think about is the day that they can become a mom. And they're desperate for that. Their moms and dads here today that their kids have wandered off spiritually, physically. You don't have a relationship with your children anymore. And you want them to come back. 
There are people here today, your marriages are in trouble. And you want your marriage fixed. And you have this desperate prayer about, God, just fix my home. Fix this situation that I'm in. There's others of you today that are desperately wanting to be married. You want someone to spend the rest of your life with. Maybe you were married once or maybe you had a relationship with someone once. But now you just want to find the right godly person to spend the rest of your life with. I can guarantee that there's many people here today praying for physical healing. Not just for themselves, but for someone that they love. There's people here trying to kick addiction. There's some of you trying to get, just get through the end of the semester. Right, Amanda? Just first semester of law school. Just get through it. I'm sure there's several of you here just sitting in the crowd, just desperately lonely. Needing a relationship with someone. Needing a real friend. And Why am I saying all this? Why am I talking about this? Because I want us to right now, I want you to think about it. I want you to identify what is that thing that I'm desperately praying for. And I want you to identify that. Maybe you got to take your notebook out, get your phone out. And I want you to write it down. Just write it down and say, I'm praying for this. I need this breakthrough in my life. I need this thing to happen. And maybe you're here and you're like, I don't have a desperate prayer. Let me tell you something. You're going to have a desperate prayer. That not just one, two, three, a hundred, a thousand desperate prayers in the times that you have left here on this earth. Moments that you are desperately going to need God in your life. And you're going to need to remember what we're going to talk about today. Maybe you're saying, you know what, Pastor Mark, I just need a little more time to think about the de this desperate prayer. But the desperate moments are going to come. See, while you think of your, your desperate prayer, I'm going to share. I have a friend that I met many years ago. I actually met him in California. We met online first, and then we met up in California. Every time he comes to Miami, we, we meet up. And um, I was texting with him, messaging with him a couple weeks ago. He was in New York with his family having their dream vacation. And this guy, he's done well for himself, but he's super, like, you know, tacaño. You know, walks on his elbows. Anybody know that saying? And. And I see him, they went to Hamilton. They're going to the most expensive restaurants in New York. And I'm like super happy for him because he's worked really hard. And he's posting all this stuff, posting all these videos. And from one day to the next, he's in an emergency room with his, with his daughter. It's been like seven, eight days and nobody knows what's wrong with this girl. She has a mass in her lungs and they don't know if it's an infection because he was on a mission trip in Africa or something in the summer, or they don't know if it's cancer and they can't even tell them. And this man is desperate for God. This is a guy that travels the world preaching the gospel, talking about hope. And now he has a desperate prayer. And that's what we're going to talk about today. In John chapter 11, it's a story of two sisters and a brother, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And all three of them, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, were really close friends with Jesus and Lazarus gets sick, right? And he sends word, they send word to Jesus that Lazarus is sick and he needs to be healed. We're talking like sick, sick. It's not una uña enterrada, you can't walk and you got an infection. You got a, a hanging uh, toenail, an infected nail. No, it's not that. It's not a pollen allergy, even though, man, who, who gets allergies here? Allergies are like the worst, right? Like you get these crazy headaches and people are like what's wrong with you like and it's like oh it's the pollen and people kind of make faces like pollen is nothing but I don't know what it is but as I've gotten older now I have these like weird allergies you know <laughs> he was going through something and it wasn't pollen allergy what we're talking about here is that death was knocking on Lazarus door 
He was very, very sick. And what's interesting here is how Jesus responds to his buddy. His buddy is sick. And Jesus surprises everyone because he doesn't do anything for two days. Man, have you ever been looking for someone and they're like always there, they're always calling you, whenever you need them, they're there. And the day that you need them, they don't answer their phone. Does that ever happen to anybody? Yeah, has that ever happened with me and trying to call me and Mark doesn't pick up the phone? Right. Like, man, it's like you call me every day and the day that I got a flat tire and my jack doesn't work and my spare tire is flat, you're nowhere to be found. People that tell you, hey, whenever you need me, you can call me. You know, I get scared when people tell me, that, hey, whenever you need anything, call me. Because it's like, really? Do you really mean anything? Right? And then they're like surprised and you call them like, man, I need some help. Bro, you know, UM is playing at 11. And I'm like, dude, I, I need your help, right? That happens to us. That happens to all of us. And, but no one expects it to happen to Jesus. Jesus, my brother sick. Not just my brother, but your friend. There's not too many places in the Bible that you read of people that Jesus was actually friends with. So it's specific to say that it's his friend. And so the word gets out. It's not a text message that they sent them. It took about a day or maybe a day and a half for the message to get to Jesus. And Jesus shows up to Lazarus' home. Four days have gone by. And Lazarus is dead. We know the story. Lazarus dies. Lazarus doesn't answer the door with un cafecito. Hey, Jesus, come sit down. Let me talk to you about this pain that I got in my leg. One thing that I learned from reading the story of Lazarus and learning it as a kid in church and, and teaching it a couple times is that Jesus' timing is not my timing. God's timing for my life isn't always exactly the way that I want it. It's surprising that Jesus doesn't go to Lazarus right away. It may even be disturbing. His friend is sick and he is in no rush. John 11 says this, so although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Four days. Four days go back. Scholars believe that it, it could have taken more some think it, it could have taken less, but all I know is like four days. Four days. Sometimes we pray and we cry out to God and we finish the prayer and it's something that we need. It's something that's happening like tomorrow and God is silent. And what do we do in these moments when, when we don't hear God? Imagine how Mary and Martha must have felt desperate. Our brother is dying You've got to imagine, they, they were going crazy. Where is Jesus? Has anybody ever said, where is Jesus? God, where are you? My life is falling apart. My kids are hurting. Didn't Jesus get the message? Where is he? Does he even care? Maybe this is where the phrase, oh, Jesus, came from. Mary and Martha probably coined it. Oh, Jesus, where are you? For many of us, it's a frustrating part of trusting Jesus in our life is when we don't hear him. He doesn't operate. He doesn't operate the way that we need him to operate in our time schedule. And the delays are torturous. I mean, we get desperate. I know this week I went to um, Winn-Dixie and there was only one lane open. And you could have thought if you were there with me, it's like, oh my gosh, Mark really has to be somewhere. Because I'm like, there's like eight people here. And I tell my wife, I'm like, this place is going to close down. I mean, I give it like eight months. Because how could there be 10 people in line, four people talking in the corner, 
over there. One lady doing uh, a, what do you call that, wiring money at the desk in the front. And there's a bunch of clients here trying to give you their money for your produce that's dying in the shelves over there. All right. So could you imagine... Like, this is like me not wanting to wait in line. Sometimes in life we're crying out to God and we feel that God is not listening to us. You see, God's timing is not our timing. I have to remind myself that all the time. The times that I want to do things and it's not God's timing. There are times when I'm like, I know the steps that I need to take. And it's like, it's not God's timing. And here's where I see a lot of people. A lot of people say, oh God, I want you to show up in this area of my life. But then they stop trusting God because they put a deadline. You know that when you pray and you give God a deadline, that means you don't trust him. They say, God, I need you to do this in my life, mañana. That means you're really not trusting that God has what's best for you. I need this prayer answered Monday, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Not Central, not Pacific. I mean, I need it Eastern Standard Time, God. Okay? Right? But do we ever stop to think that God knows what's best for us? Do we ever stop to think that maybe God has something bigger for us? And friends, we do this all the time. And when we do that, when we give God deadlines, it disqualifies our trust. Trusting Jesus and time conditions don't go together. I'm going to say that again. Trusting Jesus and time conditions do not go together. What I'm learning in my life is that for me to trust Jesus, I must put my time in his hand. I must say, God, whenever you want. And I know sometimes it may feel that he's on vacation. It may feel that he's not listening, that he's not moving quickly enough. Trusting is trusting in God's timing. When you say, God, I trust you. When we sing songs about trusting God, that means I trust your timing. It's real important to understand that to walk with Jesus means that I must trust the pace of his walk. Could it be? Let's say a lot of people say this, Pastor Mark, I'm, I'm walking with Jesus. I love to walk with Jesus. But then when Jesus' pace is a little slower than ours, what do we do? We get ahead of Jesus. And then we're wondering, where is Jesus? And it's like, you left him back there, bro. Jesus said, this is the road that we need to walk on. Follow me. And we're following Jesus. And then it's like, Jesus is walking too slow. That's how my kids act when I go to Disney with them. It's like, Papi, let's go. You're walking too slow. The parade's going to start. We want to get a good spot. And I'm like, bro, just chill. Let's let all of them kill each other. And I always get them to the perfect spot because um, I know my way around the magic kingdom. You see, let's not get mad when God's pace is not the pace that we want to be on. Could it be that God knows what's best for us? Could it be that God wants to protect us, that God can see what's happening and knows what's going to happen and he knows that you're not ready? Sometimes we could not be ready for the blessings that God wants to give us in our life. That's what the next thing that I want to point out is that Mary and Martha wanted Jesus to come to heal their brother. But Jesus had bigger plans. Say that with me. Jesus has bigger plans. Jesus had bigger plans. Jesus wanted to do something bigger that they didn't imagine that was even possible. He had a bigger plan. He has a bigger plan for you, a better life for you. You see, maybe right now in your life there's something that you pray about every day and you can't even possibly imagine that God would want to do something different. 
It's like, this is, God, I need you to do this for my daughter, for my son. And, and, and I want you to do this and find this kind of person. Right? When, when I was growing up, my mom would, always te- was, would tell me and my sisters, like, you need to marry a woman like this that looks like this, this color hair, blah, blah, blah. And I think all of us went, like, opposite directions of the stories and the people that she would tell us, um, you know. And it was kind of a game. It was funny when she would say it. But you know what? I want to tell you, if you're going through something today... God has bigger plans for you. God wants to do something so much bigger than that prayer that you're praying to God. It's so much bigger. It's so awesome. Check out when Jesus arrived. says, when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. I think Mary was a little upset with Jesus. Has anybody ever been upset with Jesus? I've been upset with Jesus. We can all admit it. We've all had moments. Mary stayed in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask him. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. And then Martha says, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. She was a good Jewish girl. She knew that, you know, at the end of time when all the dead rise up and we live with eternity with God, that, that Lazarus would rise again, but Jesus had bigger plans. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? See, there's so much here that we can see. I mean, we could just see a sister whose heart is broken that her brother is dead and she's just trying to be polite to Jesus. You see, a lot of us, sometimes when we go through difficulty, we try to reason, like, this is why this happened. But could it be that God wants to do something bigger? Maybe you're going through a difficulty right now in your life. Do you know that the resurrection, life, eternity, and that's what she's talking about is eternity. I know he's going to live forever with you. See, eternity doesn't start when you die. And that's like a sad story that... People preach and they even believe it's accept Christ so that when you die, you live forever. I believe that eternity begins the day that you give your life to Jesus. Eternity doesn't, this blessed life being saved by God doesn't just start when you die and go to heaven. It starts right now here on earth. You live an eternity for the rest of your days with God, blessed by God, protected by God, living in the will of God. That's why Jesus says anyone who believes in me will never die. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, this flesh that we have, that pain, that headache that you have, our bodies are dying, sadly. But you know what? As Christians, when we give our life to Jesus, we will never, ever die. You see, I grew up thinking that eternal life began when I died. But I've realized and I believe as I grow older that it starts now. And I want to tell you, there's a lot of Christians that, yeah, they believe in eternal life. And they're going to live forever. And they're going to go to heaven. But today, their life, it's like hell. And, I, and I'm sorry for being blunt, but a lot of people, a lot of people that love God are living lives, unhappy lives, sad lives, defeated lives. Because we don't trust God. Just like that little boy that wanted that hot pink bike. See, I think God was trying to protect me from my friends that would have probably beat me up and like, you know, 
Now that I think about it, maybe my dad got my pink bike and like junked it or something when he saw that I painted my bike hot pink because he knew that if I would ride that around the block or something, someone was going to bug me, make fun of me, knock me off the bike. See, I believe that God wants to do something huge in your life. I'm going to show you a picture of the Magic Kingdom. Can you put that up? Who's ever been there? I think all of us, right? Who was there like this week? I'm sure someone was there this week, right? Everybody knows that picture. Who would want lifetime tickets for you and your family to Disney? I I think everybody, right? Lifetime. Imagine if you knew a family, a friend, right? Family of four. Lifetime tickets to the Magic Kingdom. And they go all the time. I know people, I know people that aren't here today because it's long weekend and they're over there because, you know, instead of being part of the kingdom of God, they're part of the mouse's kingdom, right? But check this out. Imagine if you're really close friends who have lifetime tickets to Disney and they go all the time. This is right after you check in, right? The little ping, you know. Um, and you go in and they never pass that area. That's a beautiful, I don't know how many pictures I have. We have real funny pictures on our Facebook of our kids screaming and crying in the front of the let the memories begin. But could you imagine if your friends that had lifetime tickets that go to Disney all the time, all they did was go through, check in, and just stay there. What would you say to them? Oh, my gosh. You just got to go under the train tracks. And and it's, it's this beautiful place, this kingdom of joy and happiness and corn dogs and turkey legs and you know, delicious, you know, Coke. It's like if, if Disney has like a direct pipe from the Coke factory because the Coke, the fountain drinks there are so delicious. I know what I would say. That's you nice people would say that to your friends. I would say, you're an idiot. Que lo que te pasa? Tu eres bobo, right? What's wrong with you? If I had friends that had lifetime tickets and all that they did was hang out at the front of the park and never go in, never see the castle, never try the hot dogs, never go on like, you know, Snow White, right? Never go on Splash Mountain. I'd be like, you're missing out. There's so many people that live their life with God that way. You're saved. You love Jesus. You come to church. You guys, by the way, are the best of the best church on a long weekend, okay? I'm surprised I'm here. No, just kidding, right? So many times in our life we have this ticket to enjoy an amazing kingdom, amazing happiness and blessings, and we don't even walk in. We don't even join. We don't even take part of what God wants to do in our life. We need to stop relying on our own powers and our own doubt. And we need to surrender. We need to surrender to God and say, God, whatever you want. I may not understand. I may not agree. But I'm going to trust you. I'm going to have faith in you. Even when it doesn't make sense. You see, the third thing that I pull out from this story is that Jesus' power transforms Gee, anybody could have, they, someone else removed the stone. You think Jesus could have just got, removed the stone, right? Boom. People have been like, wow. I probably would have done that. I probably would have like flown in, right? Like landed in front of everyone, pointed at people, you know, go like this to my hair. Gone. Boom. The stones are rolled away. And then been like, Lazarus, ¿qué te pasa? Sal de ahí, yeah. You know what I mean, right? No. 
Jesus showed up. And the Bible says that he cried when he saw everyone suffering. He didn't cry because of Lazarus being dead, because he knew he was going to take him out of there in a few seconds. First thing he did is he saw Mary, Martha. He saw everybody there suffering, and, and he hurt with them. And then his power transformed that moment, a moment of silence, a moment of crying, a moment of death, a moment of mourning. This guy had been death for, dead for four days. He smelled already, right? It's like when you wake up in the morning and you open the door of your room and you're like, did anybody take out the garbage? And it was just like from yesterday, right? This guy was dead for four days. Jesus' power transforms us. You see, when I grew up, um, again, I grew up in a Cuban home, which means you always were fearing death because your mom and your grandparents were you're going to get run over by a car, all this stuff. Is it just Cuban family or can the other Latin people say, yeah, you know, my family too, right? So one of the things, my, my parents were hairstylists. And so there was always, for some reason, like bobby pins everywhere, right? And, and, and my mom would always say, don't put it in the, in the light switch, that you're gonna die. Anybody ever been like that? You're gonna get electrocuted, right? And, and listen, I had never even thought about putting it in the socket, ever, ever. But now, it was on my bucket list. That and putting my finger in the fan. Never thought about putting my finger in the fan until they said, Te va a un deo, right? Like you're gonna cut your finger off. And so, guess what happened? One night, my parents fell asleep. I can't fall asleep. And for some reason, the only thing I could think about is what will happen if I stick a bobby pin inside of the light switch. So I go and I'm in the bathroom. I find one. I'm so excited. I close the door of my room. I put the lock on. And the first thing, first things first, this has to be an international thing. Because the bobby pins have like these little plastic things on the tips. So I'm like, no pasa nada. I'm like, nothing's happening. And I, right? And then I'm like, ah, it's got to be these little plastic safety things on the tips. And so I'm like, ah, biting it. Which if my family would have seen me biting this thing, te vas a sacar un diente, your tooth is going to fall out, right? It's like, bro, um, no wonder like Hispanics are such like violent drivers, right? And aggressive on the road. It's like, it's an aggressive childhood. And so finally I bite those things off and I stick it in the first time. And it's like, nothing happens. But... I was, I was sticking both ends into the same little hole. And now I'm like, I think I have to stick both <laughs> ends. I have to stick both ends into the hole. And I did it. I'm like, okay, one, two, three. All right. And I got shocked. It was like shaking the devil's hand. It wasn't like operation because I, I would like to, that little, that felt good, right? And you play operation and you get the little operation jolt in the board game. But I, I was like even stuck there for a little bit. I'm like, woo. Woo. It was like the Holy Ghost came down on me then. You see, that's what power does. It shocks you. Power transforms you. Power changes you. See, Jesus delivers a different type of power in verse 39. He said, roll the stone away, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell is terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside 
Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You're always, you always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all the people standing here so that they will believe that you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, and his hands and feet were bound in grave clothes. His face was wrapped in a head of cloth. You see, anytime I read God's word, especially when I'm reading about Jesus, I actually try to put myself in the context of the story. I try to put myself there. I try to feel it so I can see it. And I try to imagine between the time that Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. And when Lazarus came out, everything that was going on, right before Jesus screamed, Lazarus, come forth. I wonder what was going on there. I'll tell you because people don't change. It's the same thing. People are like, this guy's crazy. You know, who does he think he is? When he says, I am the resurrection and the life, I'm sure there was a bunch of religious people saying, look at him, there he is again, speaking blasphemy. I wonder what Mary and Martha were even thinking. Oh my gosh, we love Jesus so much, he's going to embarrass himself. Have you ever not prayed for something because you were embarrassed? I've told this story many times, but there was a season in my life where I didn't want to pray for God to heal people. This is not even that long ago, maybe like four or five years. I would always do this prayer like, let your will be done, Lord. That's like, whew. you know, if it doesn't happen, they're not going to call me and say, bro, you know, you prayed and it didn't happen. Right? And I promise you that I was walking to a room of a woman that was dying of cancer. And I'm walking into a room and I'm telling God, God, what am I going to do? I'm going to go in there now and I'm going to be like, Lord, oh, healer, boom, bah. And I'm going to leave and then what's going to happen? I'm literally having this conversation with God. And God told me, you do your job, I'll do my job. It's not my job. I can't heal anyone. But God calls me, he calls all of us to cry out unto him. And that he will respond to us. Did Martha believe that Jesus was going to raise Lazarus from the dead? Did the people doubt that day what was going to happen? And then all of a sudden, a lot bigger than that shock that I had in my house when I was a little kid, Jesus' power transformed that moment and boom, Lazarus walked out. Lazarus walked out of the grave. I have a question for you today. What is that desperate prayer that you have in your life today? What is that thing that you don't even pray about anymore because it's dead? It's in a tomb. I want to tell you that God wants to transform you by the power of his name. In a moment, I'm going to ask the band to come up. We're going to sing Glorious Day again. And I want us at this moment to actually focus on what is it? What is that tomb in our life? What is that situation? What is that miracle that we're praying for? I don't even pray for my wife anymore. She's not going to change. I've given up. I don't even pray for a better job or for my financial situation because I've been praying for that for so long and nothing changes. Listen, Lazarus was dead for four days. It probably wouldn't have even made the Bible as like a headline. It would have been like, oh, there was a guy that was dead. Jesus walked by and boom. Or a guy that was sick. You know, a guy que le cayó malago and, you know, Jesus came and he touched him and he felt better. No, but we're talking about Lazarus today because Jesus waited and he did what nobody would have done, what nobody thought they would have done. And a dead man came and walked out of a grave. Maybe it's your relationship with God. Maybe it has nothing to do with a specific prayer, but 
your connection, your relationship with God is stale right now. It's, it's nowhere right now. And that's what needs to be resurrected. I'm going to invite you to stand up. And as the band comes up, we're going to get ready to sing this song. Can you put the lyrics up, Liz? Encarito. The lyrics to a glorious day. It says, I was buried beneath my shame. Keep going. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb till I met you. Sometimes there's things that we've done in our life, things that nobody know about, and we carry that every single day of our lives. Don't let that be your tomb. Don't let that keep you from the blessings that God has for your life. Don't let that keep you from the joy that God wants to give you. Listen, God has called us to live joyous lives. I said eternity starts the day you give your life to Jesus. It doesn't start when you die. Eternity starts right now. But you know what the devil wants to do? He wants you to be miserable. He wants you not to be happy. He doesn't want you to be joyous. He doesn't want you to live in victory. He wants you to fight. He wants you to be angry. He wants you to be sad. He wants you to doubt. He doesn't want us to pray. He doesn't want us to talk to God. If our brother dies, we probably would or would have been sick. We don't even go to Jesus. Why? Because, you know, Jesus does things for other people, but not for me. Has anyone ever thought that? Jesus does that for her. That's her. That's him. That's that family, but not my family. I want to tell you that's a lie. Jesus loves you, and he has great things for your life. You are here today because you matter to God and because God wants you to live life in victory. Who wants to live in victory today? Who wants to hear the voice of Jesus saying, come on, get out of that grave. Get out of that situation. Get out of that moment of doubt in your life. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's just a couple things I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe. That way the most recent episode will always be in your feed waiting for you ready when you are. And secondly, if this podcast has ministered to you and you would like to help us continue reaching people that need to be inspired by the word of God, please consider making a donation at GodLovesMiami.com. That's GodLovesMiami.com. And we'll see you next time on the God Loves Miami podcast.